welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan, and Sean, how are you today? I'm so good. How is Hawaii? It's great. We I'm have so Ryan Springer on today. We, yes, our friend Ryan, who's published and printed our books, a lot of my books, and both yeah, yours. Right. Which is amazing. And your next one is coming out as well. So this is, this is awesome that we're having him on because Ryan is the kind of guy that um, he's been on, he's young, he's been on a journey of really going after an industry that, that not many people go after, which is publishing and printing. And it's kind of a, what's been told is a dying industry. And yet Ryan's succeeding, not only succeeding, but killing it in this industry. I'm just going to read a little bit of his bio before we go here. It's mm-hmm. Ryan has 20 years of business experience, starting out in mobile tech sales, later founding and running his own company. Ryan sold and managed large software development projects for the early smartphone markets like uh, Google, Samsung, Motorola, Nokia, and AT&T. And then after a decade of fast-moving technology, he made an unconventional move to the book industry <laughs> going from digital to analog by founding his own book printing and publishing companies, Printopia and New Type Publishing. Within five years, this true lifestyle business has an annual run rate of 5 million and prints nearly 2 million books a year. The lifestyle business provides an on-ramp to numerous startup investment real estate portfolios, which is so cool. It is so cool. And the thing that I love about Ryan and that we will hear is that he, he's a very thoughtful person. He's deep. Yeah. Um, but he also is an entrepreneur and he is uh, used to taking risks. Well, and he's an interesting picture for the listener because I think he would not have chosen printing or publishing. I've talked to him so many times about this. Like he wouldn't have chosen the industry he's in if it was up to just his, I'm going to do what I love. You know, like he's, he probably would have been a venture capitalist knowing Ryan because he's so good with people. Mm-hmm. But this is where God led him. And this is where he ended up living a life of faith. That's been really encouraging because I wouldn't have chose to go into the prophetic space and really speak into the genre of hearing God's voice for the workplace, marketplace, do these kinds of podcasts. This isn't what I thought I would be doing, but I love it. I love what I'm doing. But at the same time, I've had to um, ease into that love over a period of time. You know, it's like, you know, God turned the boiling water up on me so that I can, you know, enjoy it. But it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people could probably relate to Ryan and I, who we pursued something out of obedience and faith versus a direct process of I'm going to do that. That's what I'm aiming for and going directly there. And a lot of people in our generation are like that. It's like they, they're pursuing something with God. They know the destination's here, but they're doing a lot of different things on the way. Whereas I think in your generation, you've been a painter for 47 years and you didn't leave that. It's not like you were, and that's what you wanted to do. So it's, it's, there's something that's happening in this generation where the average person doesn't last 30 years in their careers. I think it's 15 years now. It's yeah, way it's interesting. When I was going to college, I, th- I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because my uncle was a lawyer and that's mm. what I was pursuing. But then um, I somehow just fell into, into painting. I got a job with a painter and, you know, I, it never changed. <laughs> but of course, there's been all kinds of opportunities happen during, you know, during, during this career. But for, for me, um, you know, God just had me stay in this thing for all these years and, and it worked out all right. Well, and it's interesting because a lot of your friends, when you were first starting, it was during the Jesus People movement, and they were becoming leaders of churches and ministries and everything else, and you were financing them. And it's so funny, 47 years, like we said later, you're now speaking and hosting this podcast and writing books, and you were never intending to do that. 
right? Someone had to finance the dinner. Someone had to pay for dinners for all, the, all my friends, the pastors. Because <laughs> they sure couldn't in those days, for sure. That's so funny. I love it. Well, we have an exciting interview with Ryan. I think a lot of you who are listening are going to really enjoy just who he is and just his process because he's very vulnerable about it. So we're going to ask some deep questions. Bob, are you ready? I am ready. Ryan Springer next. My friend Sean Bowles and I wrote a book called Wired to Hear that's available everywhere books are sold. Most people don't hear the audible voice of God. That's all we think, the only way we can hear God. But we have story after story after story of people hearing the quiet, still voice of the Lord or impressions or instinct and intuition, which we write about. And we're hoping that that helps people unlock their relationship and how to hear the Lord and how to walk with the Lord. Or what does this look like when you're on set in a movie? Or what does this look like when you're a chairman? or when you're in Starbucks as an employee, how do you use this place of hearing connected to God? It's not just about evangelism. It's also about how to thrive and, and connect who Jesus is to your life, not just to do something for him, but to do something with him. So we're talking to bankers and we're talking to lawyers and doctors and people who are billionaires. We've had these amazing conversations, what God does when he speaks to somebody and it actually causes a ripple effect in their industry or causes new ideas or even career changes. It's gonna change everything for you if you haven't already had this activated. Ryan Springer's on with us, Ryan. Hello. Hey guys. Hey. hey buddy. Ryan, uh, Bob has, and you know this, but for our listeners has been printing and publishing the majority of our books and we're pretty ambitious. So we've had about two come out a year, plus sometimes workbooks for what, seven years, Ryan, I think it's, it's been, yeah, probably that. Yeah. A long time. You probably printed quite a few books for us and, uh, you published quite a few for sure, but you probably printed a pretty, we're well over a hundred thousand easily. That's crazy. Easily. That's awesome. So amazing. I love your backdrop of all the books. Ryan, hey, why don't we just get right into this? How did you get into publishing? What were you doing before? How did God lead you? And how did you hear his voice? How's that for one question? Oh, that's a lot of questions. That's good. <laughs> uh, to get into that, it's probably best to kind of start out. What was the context for which I came from? So I kind of grew up uh, farm boy son, right? Midwest, work hard, get a job, do the thing. So that's what I did out of college, got into tech. I was in the kind of mobile technology space. So I was selling software, uh, speaking a lot of geek to the back in the day, you probably remember guys, uh, the old Nokia candy bar phones that were 73% <laughs> market share. Uh, so I was working with them and Palm and Motorola uh, way back in the day. And then, you know, soon, uh, obviously the iPhone and, and Google Android just kind of changed the landscape. So I was in a very, very fast, uh, fast moving, fast paced, very sexy technology uh, for almost a decade and got out of that in 2011. Uh, I, I got laid off, which was a wonderful invitation uh, to just enjoy severance uh, pay and, and a little bit of getting out of um, the W2 land and, and the race to be, you know, as a sales guy. So it's always hit your quota, hit your quota, hit your quota. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that corporate environment, which was a really great learning camp for me. And I, and I brought, I, Brought forth from that a lot of skills, sharpened a lot of things. And then I took 28 months off as a single guy. Oh my wow. So what that looked like was, you know, backpacking through Asia for five or six months and going on a walkabout, if you will, uh, you know, for myself of what do I want to reinvent for the, for the next chapter of my career myself? And Can I say know, this though, Bob, yeah. during that time, his best friend was my roommate. 
And so he would pop into our house sometimes and tell us his adventures and stories. And, wow. you know, everyone, it was probably what, every 10 months you would show up at our house. Yeah. From some trip into LA. Cause you can't fly. Totally. totally. And so your best friend was like, Ryan's coming again. You know, it was so yeah. much fun. Yeah. So yeah. Going. I just wanted to build the context. For sure. For sure. Yeah. We got a lot of history, man. We really do. So, you know, that kind of was this long period of time where I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, I just needed a reset to think clearly, hear from God. You know, I volunteered in the school of ministry up here when I was in town and, you know, did a lot of mentorship while I was here and, you know, put my hands to, to, to use, modeled a fourplex, remodeled a fourplex and picked up some real estate and all this and that and the other, but really was not working the quintessential job. Uh, and before you know it, I was like, okay, it's almost, it's almost been two years. I might want to think about that. You know, if I uh, ever want to get married, like, I'm going to need an income of some sort. Kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> apparently that's a, a marketable uh, item on that, on that checklist. It, in that regard, just kind of moved on to starting to pull up, turn over rocks. Right. And, and one of the things that was, I was really good at in sales was hunting. And it, it really kind of comes from, if you want to have a kingdom backing for the, the hunting thing, it says in Proverbs that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And the glory of kings, which there's a lot of books about kings in the marketplace and marketplace princes. Yeah. And you know, I could give you titles upon titles for that. Uh, so there's there's a precedence there to to seek it out, right? And and there is this idea of not just mining um for for the golden people, but re- really just mining for their testimony, mining for what they do, understanding them, like just sitting with people, understanding what were the secrets to their success, much like you're doing today, right? Uh, and so I just started to uncover rocks in my old networks, new networks. Um, before you know it, I had seven different uh, gigs that I was kind of a part-timer or a side hustle guy on. And one of them was printing books uh, for people. And before you know it, about six months in, I had printed you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of books and it just kind of worked and authors were coming to me and Six months later, I had a publishing company and I signed a good friend, Danny Silk, and mm-hmm. it just kind of transpired down the road. And here I am you know, last year, five years, six years into it. We did 2 million books last year and <laughs> 5 million in revenue annually. And uh, it's, it's a thing. So it's been pretty fun. It's Which is a- wild because I remember when you first started, you were, you were talking about how publishing was changing, but you didn't believe it would go away. And a right. lot of people were saying it was going to die. And you're like, no, we just have to be we have to be aggressive in the way we evolve it and evolve with it. And I remember that gave us courage when we were as, you know, we were publishing and we were trying to figure out if we wanted to go through one of the mainstream publishers and you were talking us into, but what if you did more guerrilla marketing and actually just, you know, you were doing all these events. And I like the way you've always thought because you took that tech brain, that, that entrepreneurial side of you and you brought it into a field that not many people are very entrepreneurial as Bob knows now publishing two books and seeing that it's hard because things work the way they've always worked. And that's actually changed, but a lot of people haven't changed with it and things right. are dying everywhere. And I love watching the fact that last year was like your biggest year. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of publishers have dissolved in the last 20 months, you know, and you're like, we're flying, which is, it speaks so much of your, of the way you hear God, the way you connect to your, your industry Mm-hmm. And the way you think entrepreneurially. And I think that that's an important note in the midst of this, because there's a lot of industries that people are proclaiming dead and they're not. You just have to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I, it was an unconventional move going digital, cool, fast, mobile to analog print. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, you don't see that often these days. It's, it's, it's yeah. more there, right? Um, you know, no one's, well, although I would say people are going back to vinyl just uh, as, a, as a side thing. But I'll tell you, Ryan, um, I've got the privilege of working with you on a number of projects. And the one thing that I've noticed about you is your culture in your company. And you recognize that you're there to serve your authors mm-hmm. and to serve your employees. And, and so I've seen you go above and beyond the call of duty in serving your authors, serving your employees, which has built a really loyal brand following to you. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel as a, as a service company or as a business that's continuing to grow? Sure, sure. Uh, there's a lot of aspects to that. One, I would say that's a, an unfortunate one is the bar is really low out there. Right. It just unfortunately is. And yes, I, I, I reinforce that. Yes, I lead by that. Yes, I lead by example. Yes, I, I look for and hire people that want to do that naturally too. Uh, it's not this thing where we set out and we've got you know written on our wall service first or the customer. It's just it's kind of a who we are, and you you, you try to attract the people around you that are like minded in that regard. And so I think for me, it's it's just having that be a, a pretty normal expected thing. That's that's your entry pass to get into the office. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's like, I feel like not only we interact with your employees, obviously mm-hmm. all the time, sometimes on a daily basis, depending on what the projects are, yeah. we've interacted with you. And there's times that you, you have a really creative brain. So you've spoken into projects in a way that uh, I think is very um, just unusual because you're, you're invested with the people you work with and, you, but you're a, a medium sized company. So it's not like a lot of people who are the, CEO or the head of a company do that. And I just really appreciate that about who you are. Talk about one of the bigger challenges you've had in the last five or seven years that uh, it took God to get over. Yeah. Uh, don't use one that I'm involved with. Sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Time. Uh, I don't want to translate anything here or not. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the, the honest truth is I didn't like my business at first. Mm. It took me four years. And and I worked with a coach every week for the first four years. And I couldn't get around how I couldn't get around Printopia being cool enough. And maybe it's because I came from mobile tech and, you know, got to walk into Google headquarters and do the whatever thing that you do, the Googly thing there. (laughs) But it, it, was a real challenge to not identify myself as the company and yet still do that. Right. Like if we, if we look at Elon Musk, he is, he is the the company. It's him. It's his culture. And when people were shorting it two years ago, which they didn't do too well, um, he came at them with him. Right. And so he is, he is the persona of the company and he leads that culture very strongly. If things are going well, that's great. Um, if things aren't going well, that's a little tougher, right? And so, so there's a really interesting balance of embedding your identity or culture, your personality into the company that is you in some ways and should be, 
rightfully so, but also ha- should have boundaries around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably was looking for some significance out of the cool factor um, in the company, which is why I tried to create a Kickstarter knockoff, you know, only a year into my business um, called Book Rally. And it was, it was a crowdfunding book site for books. Mm-hmm. Basically Kickstarter with a backend um, UI that could allow you to build books, right? I was trying to pull my old techie cool self into books and, it, you know, lost a hundred grand on that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great lesson trying to be cool. Um, is it as if Printopia wasn't cool enough for me? Cause it was a viable business making money, serving people, providing me with a lifestyle that wasn't overworked so I could have a young family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's been a challenge. One of the things I appreciate about you is your ability that you want to learn. You mentioned just a second ago that you had a coach that you met with every week, mm-hmm. but, but you have, you have this thing about you that you want to learn. You, you meet people, you are asking questions. Talk to our listeners about what you think the value is in hearing other people and, and how that helps you move forward in your business. Sure. Uh, there are so many random ways that that happens, especially working with authors, because I, I'm no longer in one sphere. I'm, I'm doing authors that are in the faith region, that are in the political region, um, that are CEOs of large companies, uh, you name it. And so I get to hear and understand their stories and I get to be on the That's phone. Cool. And when you're doing their book, it's a very intimate part of who they are. Yeah and their voice and their story, they're telling their life, their DNA. So getting to interact with that, if you can build trust there, which again, low bar, just be excellent. Right. Um, you're very tied to them and they're, and they sometimes feel indebted to you. And so, you know, before you know it, I've got a, a CEO of a, of a billion dollars of assets of, of real estate assets, giving me his tax attorney to help me out on some tax strategies. You know, wow. and this guy runs family offices for the for the ultra wealthy. Well, no, I'm a nobody guy from Minnesota that was a farm boy's son. Well, you know, it's, it's like that progression happens through just being curious, right? And, and just sitting with people, hearing their stories, valuing them for it, and you never know what happens out of that or what connections uh, happen out of that. No, I think that's such a great point because uh, two things I've heard from those last two points you made. One is um, getting rid of the ego of needing to be cool. And it could be translated for some of our listeners, having to look anointed or having to look powerful, having to look profound, yeah. having to look cool will kill your business. It just will. It's like the cool factor and having to be cool. And there's a lot of young entrepreneurs and a lot of young business starters who don't understand that. And so they're still, they're trying to get in by the cool factor. People talk to Bob all the time and they're third, they're like saying, I'm not a millionaire yet. And, and he's looking at it like, you know, cause the average millionaire is like 50 years old. Right. So it's yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, why is that your goal? You know, and a lot of the goals we set are based on image. And it's also, we don't do a lot of peer sourcing to each other of talking mm-hmm. conversations, which comes to the second point you've done. I mean, countless hours more so than anyone I know of picking people's brains who are semi-successful or successful. And I've been in the room with you where all of a sudden you're going to do a deep conversation with someone and they go to level 10 with you just because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's such an example. Like a couple of times I've, I've found myself, even Sharice said at one time, the early on in our um, ministry, when we left doing the senior pastoring. 
she's like, oh, you you feel like Ryan today? Because I was asking like really profound, deep questions mm-hmm. and getting like this business guy to share deeply with me just because I really was curious. I wasn't just curious for the sake of doing an interview. I was curious because I want to grow. And, yeah. and I feel like you have that, like you, you've grown through, um, you know, a thousand conversations you were only willing to have, but you were willing to pull out the best of someone and their vulnerability and people are willing to go there with you when they can feel that. And so I, I've been, I've been impacted by that in your life. Yeah. I had a prophetic mentor one time who told me, Ryan, there's always a question floating in the room. Mm. If you're tapped in, you can find that it's not just a skill. There's a, there's a natural level of skill, you know, kind of sowing and reaping, right. That you've, that you've built to ask good questions. And that's, that's great. Develop that, you know, steward that, but there's, there's also another level of, of questions that, that there, that he proposed. And, and I've always thought that, um, right. One time I was in school of ministry at Bethel and I remember I, I asked this question and the whole room went, Oh, Bill Johnson was talking with us and and he he opened up for questions. And I said, Bill, I have a question. You're sitting on a plane and a guy next to you sees you with your Bible and it's an instant tell. And he he knows you're a Christian. He says, Bill, what is your favorite characteristic of God? And the whole room just went quiet. Like everyone couldn't wait to hear the answer. Not saying that that was one of those questions, but it sure felt like it got a great crowd. We'll just yeah. say that at a basic level. Uh, and I think I remember him saying his kindness. Mm. His kindness. So I would say there, there are these questions that you can find that will mine the gold and, and create fruit in, in an exchange of relationship between people anywhere, business, not business, et cetera. I have one more question on this, Bob, yeah. which is uh, we just went through a wood issue, paper shortage, crazy stuff that affects you know, one big segment of Printopia, your business. Um, and yet you had one of your biggest years. Talk about like the contrast that you've had to walk through sometimes where it looks like something might be scary or it looks like something might not work, but your faith has been a driver to push you past that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Fake it, faith it. Uh, <laughs> it like you, yeah, yeah. I mean, for many people and many businesses, last year had its challenges, uh, and for us, that looked like you know, bookstores shut down. Yeah. Amazon was only shipping. You know, Amazon was the shipper for everything, and so they stopped shipping lots of titles for three to six months that's pretty brutal. And then when a lot of your authors are event driven, uh, they're not at events anymore. So they're not selling books. They're not reprinting. So, you know, there, there was some, some scary times, but you know, by the end, you kept your head down, kept working hard and just kind of believe that it's, it was going to come out on the other side. I think you saw fruit, right. And it's just kind of that perseverance thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I like heard from, from God or anything on it, I just felt like it was going to be okay. Like I was making bets that it was going to be okay and kept pushing in. And before you know, we were, I think I printed like half a million units of, of a set of books for the Oprah's favorite thing list. Uh, oh, last wow. fall. So it, it started out 
a little tougher and ended up uh, uh, on, on a pretty big high point. So. so I think what you're saying is, is that if you keep your head down, if you put one foot in front of the other, good things will come. And where most people will give up or a lot of people will give up, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, the word you made bets, but I bet really what you're saying is you had the faith. God gave you the courage to move forward. Yeah, I forget that I'm on the, a prophetic podcast and I should be more using more Christian-y language. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that no, I know you. I know you. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I use the term I make bets too because yeah. at a certain point people understand that. Yeah. And, but I love the fact that you, you sought the Lord, you had courage and you moved forward in, in a lot where a lot of people weren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to just keep motion, right? Like, even when they were wandering in the desert, they were still moving. Yeah. They were still moving. There was still hunger there. And why? Why not? Well, if we're just going to wander, why not just stay in one place? Yeah. There, there is a moving aspect that I think is the nature of the people of God. And it, and it always has been. There's just motion. There's movement. There's forward, right? And you know, there's governance and increase. Right. It's just keep going after it. So good, Ryan. Well, before we totally stop, I want to ask one more question, which is there's so many people who connect to us over this podcast who feel like they have a book in them or have written before and they have the courage to write again. What would your recommendation or advice be to somebody when in such a weird market right now? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say last year, you know, so many people wrote books in their downtime. Yeah which is, which is great. Um, a, a friend came to me the other day and said, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book. And I said, great. And I said, how good do you want it to be? <laughs> and, and he said, I don't know. And I said, how hard do you want it to be? Cause it's a process. I mean, Bob, you, you, Bob and Sean, you, you know, Bob more recently as a newer author, it is the most self-reflective <laughs> difficult process I know because you know, we all think, um, here's what I share with some authors. I, I share, you know, there's a lot of uh, statistics on online dating. And it says everyone out there statistically reaches about two points higher on the attractiveness scale than they actually are statistically, right? <laughs> because they think they're more attractive than they are. And everyone, when we write books, we always think we're going to sound so much better yeah. Maybe we do when it comes out. And that's why there's second drafts and third drafts and fourth drafts and fifth drafts. Right. And, and so I would say my, my, my biggest advice there is go through the process, mm-hmm. find, find your words, find your language, work on the refinement there. There's a process and a journey with God and connecting to yourself, a journey of connecting to yourself, even yeah. in writing a book that is, arduous but rewarding beyond measure and I, I would say that's my my biggest kind of like philosophical or or meaningful advice no thank you so much ryan it was such a pleasure talking to you and hearing yeah. from you on this and thanks yeah. for being so real and authentic just like you always are yeah. and bob it's time for questions with sean and bob coming up next next Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. 
It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Well, we're back, Bob, and we have a great question from Garrett, one of our listeners. Hi, my name is Garrett Marks. And yeah, I really enjoyed the interview with Michael Hyatt. And I am a filmmaker and have my own production company. And Sean had actually asked a really interesting question of how do you how do you handle the balance of life when you're on a film or a commercial or whatever it is? And it's for like a month or for a few months that life just seems out of balance and really busy. And and how do you handle that? So uh, Michael hadn't answered. He, I don't believe he answered the question. So I was wondering if we can kind of talk about that and elaborate on that more just during those busy, demanding seasons of life. Garrett, that's a great question. We're talking about work-life balance, project-oriented. And I think, Sean, you and I at one point talked about um, last football season, uh, Tom Brady and the Tam- Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, won the Super Bowl. No matter how you feel about Tom Brady, he had had quite the journey. And all the preparation from the team, from from the uh, from the season, the COVID interrupted season, and then one day they they're holding up you know the Super Bowl trophy, and then they're on boats you know celebrating in a parade, and the project is over. Now yeah. that was a that was a much longer project than Garrett's talking about, but I think all of us have to be mindful when we have project oriented jobs that we have to build in time to rest number one during the project and then build in time after the project's over to rest what do you yeah, think? I think it's, it's kind of like when you have kids and you're trying to figure out how am i going to educate as the parent my kids and some people are like we're doing homeschool some people are like we're going to go to private school some people say the public school down the street is good enough for me and each person has their own experience that then you know whether they're happy or sad that's up to them to determine but I feel like when it comes to work-life balance, we're all so geared differently. So I have friends in the entertainment industry who literally their family travels with them on right. film shoots and they're in homeschool so they could do that. So they don't separate any family time. I had a friend, uh, Edwina, who was just on my show, Discovering God, you know, on TBN. She and her whole family moved to England for her Netflix show or for her uh, Amazon show that she's doing. So different people do different things. And then other people I know, they go away for three months and then they come back and reintegrate into their family and their life. And that works for them. And, and some people say, how can that work for them? It can't work for them. Well, I traveled 150 days a year mm-hmm. up until three years ago. And it worked for me and Shree and, and, and our kids. And I'm a really present father, a really present husband. Yeah, and I are. figured out a rhythm of how to make that work. And we, and we kept fine-tuning it and adjusting it. But there's people here in the city who work on whether it's musical touring or whether it's a, a TV show series, you know, and they have to be gone three months out of the year or whatever. 
it's there's people who do that all the time and do it well. What we see in that though is sometimes people who do that wrong, and when we see people who do it wrong, it's really wrong, and then it kind of discredits or it causes expectations for the people who are doing it right to never be heard. So I think each one of us has our own relationship to our wife or husband, to our kids, to our life, to our responsibilities with our church or our community that we have to take into consideration and how long can you do this sustainably for 30 years? And some musicians I know who are really well known have done it really well for 30 years. Some haven't. And they're, there's some of the people who are the most quote unquote anointed have the life breakdowns after 25 years because they've never answered this question together intentionally. They were always reactive versus proactive. So I think the context is let's be proactive and let's plan like Sri and I yeah. still do it. A yearly summit. What is our year going to look like? And so when I'm pulling away to do a project, even if it's even if I'm here a lot, I'm still pulling away to do a project. So what does that look like for our family? Because she has to take more family responsibility. How do we negotiate that? And she has some projects now that are on her heart that we're having to look at for her life where she's going to pull away. And I have to give I have to do reduced hours so she can do that. So it's just just having that talk and planning it as much as you can so that the expectations are set so you don't get disappointed by your spouse or by the, your partner and saying, oh my gosh, you're gone. You've abandoned me because you've actually chosen it together, even when it sucks, because it does suck at some point. You've chosen it together. And then looking at your morality and your and your ethics. So when you're on the road or when you're doing projects, you're holding that person in your heart. You're not giving yourself to you know weird drugs or alcohol, or prescription medicine or pornography or whatever. But you're actually like you're you're considering like I need self-care so I don't give myself to these things as a default for comfort when I'm living a different kind of life. And that's a big one too for athletes and for movie stars and for musicians mm -hmm. to look at what is my self-care routine and how do I, how do I fill my tank? So I'm not just at the last minute doing it with food or with women or with, you know, whatever drugs, alcohol. And that's a big one to consider ahead of time. Planning and being proactive to me is the key. That's so good. I love uh, the communication aspect of that, Sean. Thank you so much for your question, Garrett. Um, and you can ask Bulls. more questions at our Bulls Ministries. I cut you off because you always say it. And I wanted to say it for once. I love that you always talk about our website, BullsMinistries.com. Click on the banner and ask us a question. Also join us for a live. Bob, when is our next live? Thursday. Thursdays. So on Thursdays, we have our lives on your Facebook and my Facebook, on your Instagram, on my Instagram. It's awesome. So come join us. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bullsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.